0: at MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecroccom forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike Crock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike Crock. Listen, guys, I tell you like it is. I'm unstoppable. So are you. Stop lying to yourself. Tell it like it is. You're all handsome fellas. You're all beautiful ladies. When people give you compliments, stop lying to yourself, accept compliments, and know that you have it. You got to know that you have it. That's the problem for most of us is that we don't think that we have it and then we're stopped. Become unstoppable by stopping lying to yourself. Today, I have Dr. Oh My Coffee uh, on the show. She's a friend of mine from Clubhouse. I met tons of people on Clubhouse. I know a lot of people are saying that. And I'm one of the guys that takes advantage of the connections and meeting people and trying to build relationships with people instead of just going on there with no intention. And so if you're listening and you go on Clubhouse and you're wasting time, go on with intention and make connections with people because you can change people's lives. And so Dr. O, as you go by, I want to welcome you to the What Are You Made Of show.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I remember hearing you for the first time on Clubhouse. And so it's amazing how I'm actually able to see you, you know, and and see what you look like, hear you and everything like that, like with your face and visual. But even before then, your voice was always powerful. So thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Well, thank you for that. I will take that compliment. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know, the funny thing is too, though, I'm a guy that goes into Clubhouse and I'll introduce your bio in a second, but I I just want to shoot the shit Mm -hmm. for a minute. So I go into Clubhouse and I talk sometimes More importantly, though, I'm more like a duck where the pedal, the the feet are pedaling under the water and you can't see it. And it just looks like Sea Rock's just sitting there. But I'm going through everybody's bios, going to their Instagram, checking them out, following them, shooting DMs. Like I'm working my butt off in there and people don't realize it. And some people were saying today in one of the rooms that Clubhouse is played out. It's, you know, I'm not getting anything out. It's hard to monetize this and that. And they're just looking at it the wrong way and telling themselves a story that doesn't fit. You know what? I'm going to ask you what are your takes on that. And then I'm going to get into your bio and ask you what are you made of?
1: Awesome. Love it. So yeah, I totally agree. Anytime that I'm on Clubhouse, when I'm in any kind of net worthing opportunity, because I don't believe in networking, unless we're going to be doing it for the purpose of net worthing and or adding value. So in that storehouse of value, you're absolutely correct. I will find people on the app and I will engage with their profile, their bio. I will research them. I will look at them. Even in my own bio on Clubhouse, my bio just simply says, Google me. I used to have all this stuff and accolades and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that because I think it's vital because people like yourself are reading for that information. But when I switched up the game and just put Google me, it challenged me to Google other people, research other people, go through other people. It wasn't even about me anymore. It was really about who am I going to connect with? What are the reasons for that? How are we going to make this stuff happen? And I also started going through the audience. I stopped looking at what was on the stage. I started finding thousands of dollars, tons of value, intrinsic value and intangible value in that audience. And that's where I started making a lot of connections with those people. And they felt so honored and so excited that I started to just find my tribe through just even looking at the audience. Although I love my green beans and I absolutely love our beautiful people on stage. I started saying, look, this stage right here is amazing. However, let me go in the audience and start finding value with the people down there. So I agree with you. It works a hundred percent when you work it, but it's also something that you're adding. So if you're not adding and you're looking to take, you might have a bad experience on Clubhouse or anywhere else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, just think about the people in the audience, nobody's reaching out to them. So it's like opportunity to help and elevate people like you wouldn't believe. So Anyway, you're a former media executive turned accredited investor based in Dallas, Texas, founder of a state-funded FinLIT, is that FinLIT charity? Yep. You got it. Okay. Financial FinLIT Literacy. charity, the, the board, yep. board of Literacy, Inc., and first-generation millionaire in your family, ebook, author of Seven Strategies to Seven Figures. And I noticed one other thing, which yeah. we'll get into in a second, is that okay. you started investing when you really, most people would think that they didn't, they're not in a place to invest, right? Yeah. So we're we're going we're gonna to get into that in a minute, but- before I do that, what are you made of, Dr. O?
1: Breakthrough. I am made of breakthrough, proud and proud and loud. And I am so excited about it. Painful, but progressive and also very prosperous. So yes, I made a breakthrough.
0: All right. So breakthrough, I love it. And you know, like you said in the bio here, first generation millionaire, man, look, I, when I see people like yourself that come from where you came from and breakthrough, and not only that, then you want to turn and start helping people, man. That's what gets me fired up. And so let's start right. I want to start right where you started investing when you didn't really have the money or people wouldn't think that you have the money to invest. Like what was the thought process there and where did you learn that?
1: Awesome. Thank you for asking. So for me, it was breaking four generations of welfare recipients. And so when I say welfare, I mean food stamps, I mean Section 8, I mean Medicaid, I mean real you know, governmental assistance, there was a thing called Brown Santa, right? So this is Blue Santa, Brown Santa. These are programs that they give for people that are less fortunate or going through something. So you're talking about my mom sending us gifts for Christmas from prison, right? We're talking about real stuff in my life, right? In my life. And so I started wanting to break that cycle at a very young age. Not knowing that that's what I was doing, I just felt like, oh, I want to, you know, help. I want to do better. I want to do more, you know, little kid, just, you know, ambitious. And so as I grew into that breakthrough mentality and started to understand that that was the purpose of me and my mother's womb and that I was formed, right? And I was called to do this, not knowing that I had already identified with it. Therefore, I struggled with it as well. (laughs) Because, you know, when you get a calling very early on and you don't know what to do with it, You might squander it. You might not know what it is. You might not identify. So long story short, family, four generations of welfare. We're not taking that to the next generation. My sister and I both are millionaires, so I can't say just me by myself. But the point is, is that we decided to start making a difference, not even knowing that we were, it took us years to even calculate where we were financially because we were busy doing the work like C-Rock, right? We were busy out here making sure that we were showing what we were made of, but we weren't talking. We don't do a lot of that chit chat. We were just working. We looked up and happened to be in that position and we still didn't even feel like it because we knew there was more work to do. So that's pretty much where
0: that comes from. So tell me, let's get granular with this. How did you do it? How did you start investing?
1: Right. So when I was on welfare at that time, I started to understand. This was the time around when Katrina was happening. I was going through a divorce, just gotten laid off from City Financial. This is after Making, you know, $10,000 a day, right? This is real like life, right? So as I'm exchanging, right? One life for another and going through this breakthrough process, I also got on welfare like my family did because that was the answer, right? If you can't do it for yourself, go to the government, get some help. Don't try to do it on your own. And I'm not knocking anybody on welfare. A peace of mind sometimes is better than the stress that comes with trying to do it on your own. However, you don't want to stay in that condition or that predicament either. You never want to be dependent on somebody to give you anything that you can do for yourself. However, if you need help, you take the help. So in that process of just normalcy, I started to understand and understand if I don't increase this money while I have it, there's no way I'm going to even keep it from the government or a job. I'm not going to keep it if I'm a business entrepreneur or if I'm already an investor, I better start taking the little bit that I do have, taking my unemployment checks and putting 10% to the side, not to save, not to just to give to the church and everybody else, but for me. And how does this increase? I need increase all the time. So I started investing with my unemployment. I started taking my food stamps, right? And feeding the community versus taking my money and feeding the community. Because when I had money, I take my money and do it. I didn't have the money, so I would take my food stamps and do it. So I kept the process and the principles of everything that I had when I had a job. I never let myself feel like I was without and in that system of lack. I felt like I was still going to be able to be prosperous. So I started operating out of prosperity, knowing that I was in a condition of lack, right? So I started yeah. doing the opposite effects. So I started investing while I was unemployment. I kept my property, I kept my home, even though. And then after a while, I sold it. I was still in a bankruptcy at that time. So while you're in bankruptcy, don't fret. There's plenty of programs and there's still ways to build your credit. I started buying my credit at that time, which was one of the best decisions I could have ever made because I couldn't get normal credit. I had to pay for it. So I would take as much as I could and start buying my credit. I would start doing smaller investments in stocks. I started doing as much as I could with what I had, and it started to increase on my behalf and was able to help me get out of that process and that situation.
0: Yeah. Look, bankruptcy is something that's there for you to use, one. And two, if nobody ever found out that you went bankrupt and nobody ever heard of anything that you did, as long as you try to go for something and it just didn't work out, but you went as hard as you could, then that was the only option. And you took that option and nobody ever heard about it it'd be the greatest thing in the world because it's like a, it's like a, it's like a net that catches Freedom. you if you're falling, right? Freedom, like you yes. said. But so people are worried about what people think. They're worried That's about it. what people's view. And guess what? Most people ain't thinking about you that much. Like you think people are thinking about you, but they got their own lives distracting them. So now this interview, these interviews go in different directions. I'm just going to warn you ahead of time right now, because I just thought of something I want to ask you. And you sure. can get as deep as you want to or not. But as yeah. you went, you said, mentioned divorce. And I want to really hit people here with something because a lot of times people go through relationships that don't work out, businesses that don't work out, friendships, whatever. And they always look at the other person and say what the other person did wrong. And it didn't yeah. work out because that person. And I take pride in this in my marriage right now, in my relationship, when I have a problem with something or something that irritates me, I don't yeah. go and bitch and complain to my wife. I look at myself and like, okay, what am I doing to cause this? So did you go through a process of taking 100% responsibility with your relationship? And don't you you don't have to go into what you don't want to go into, but just overall- Oh no,
1: we can can talk candidly because no one's going to get free if we keep holding stuff back. So number one, I took a million percent responsibility for my portion in the relationship. Actually, me and that particular husband actually even got back together after that, right? So there were a lot of things that I knew. I wasn't in the right mind frame. I also didn't come from the background of where- you know, the man was the head of the household. We come from a matriarchal background where women do a lot of leadership and things of that nature. And so I was wearing the pants, right? <laughs> and I'm not understanding what you're talking about because I'm the one who's right. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, I, took, I was younger in my mindset. I wasn't mature enough when it came to the calling of a wife. I was more over in the title of a wife and uh, that title only works as long as you work it, right? right? So you can be my wife all you want, but if you're not performing the duties of a wife, You don't have a husband. Okay. (laughs) So there was a lot of portion. I was overly religious. There was a lot of things that I recognize about myself now that I laugh at that was not funny back then. Right. And also not taking my time in the relationship and building out the relationship before we built the marriage. So absolutely. I take a million percent responsibility for my portion in the relationship. And what's ironic is that it wasn't bad anyway. I can't say bad things about him anyway, to this day. It right. just wasn't the proper, we didn't put the proper energy into it. And by the time we went through counseling, there was already too many troubles that we just didn't want to work through and immaturity kicked in and that was it. Divorce, divorce, right? But we did get back together after our divorce happily. And I'm so excited that we did. And even when we did the second time around, the blessing was we knew who we were as people and we were able to speak up about that candidly, honestly he still had some issues that he was suffering from his childhood. And I recognize that's not my responsibility to try to help you in that way. I'm here to support you. Absolutely. But I'm not going to sacrifice my life. I'm not going to burn myself up to keep you warm. Right. So either way, it was still positive. It was really good. And I was really excited that the only thing I regretted about getting a divorce was getting a divorce. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't have to get a divorce, right? We still could have worked through the marriage, but I did have a way to to grow up in that, and I, I'll always be excited about that—that that I was, I'm an adult now, right? Like I'm mature in many yeah. areas, yeah, and so I can admit when I'm wrong.
0: I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book Rocket Fuel is available for sale now at mikecroc. dot com forward slash book. That's C R O C dot com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now, back to the show. Yeah, that's it. So, that's the question. Like, what what has come from you taking 100% responsibility? You were able to get back together, one, because that wouldn't happen if it's a blame game, right? But what else in your business and life have you figured out from taking that 100% responsibility there? What came from that? Because it's one thing to just say it, it's easier to take 100% responsibility with, not easier, it's difficult to do, but it's easier with what the byproduct of it is. But the reason why, like what happens from that?
1: Yeah, I think the main thing that happens for me, especially from that mentality of making sure that I consistently break through is that I know that on the other side of me taking responsibility is my freedom. And anything that brings me to a point of freedom, whether it be wealth, a relationship, peace of mind, silence, (laughs) shutting up, vacation, positivity, whatever it may be, is gonna get me to a sense of freedom. I'm doing that. And I believe that taking 100% responsibility frees you from the burdens of the blame game, of going back through, of pounding yourself and beating yourself up for things you didn't say or do. And then also beating up the other person verbally or emotionally, because they may not have done it the proper or right way, right? I just take 100% responsibility. It helps me to move on. It literally becomes like, I don't know. It's like I'm luggage free. I just walk through the airport. I'm VIP status. I come in and I move through. I have no baggage. I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm not mad because somebody's in front of me taking their time. I'm literally able to pass through a lot a lot quicker when I take responsibility. Now, also on the other side of that, I'm not going to be responsible for your emotions and what you did. I'm more over responsible and accountable for what I'm feeling and what I'm doing. I'm not going to keep on taking ownership of other people's crap either, right? Because I've done that too. And that doesn't work either.
0: Well, I love what you, yeah, everything lines up there, except for one thing. I am at the airport. I know you were using this just an imagery, but an uh, analogy. I look at people because I like people watching, but that's just another thing. So anyway. <laughs> um, i that's like one watching
1: them, but now when I'm trying to get to my plane. But yeah, I no. agree. But We but have look, to relate I, to each other.
0: Yeah, one thing like really when I travel, like that's one thing I look forward to. For some reason, some people get stressed out when they're at the airport and it's not to me. It's something like awesome about people watching, not talking to anybody or anything. Just Absolutely. sit back, and just looking at people and watching what they're doing and how they're on their way, and, and <laughs> it's just something that gets me, man. I don't know. So one other thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, Clubhouse for a second. So yeah. I live in Ocean City, Maryland, and there's it's mostly white people. Black people are a minority most places, but not. But what I've noticed in Clubhouse, I'm hanging out in rooms where I seem to be the minority. And I don't know what that is or why that is or why I'm drawn to that. And I think my mentor is Grant Cardone. And one of the things he has uh, really a liking towards is doing whatever he can to make a difference and stop, yeah. stop everybody just pointing at things and saying, oh, there's a problem here or just listen, not just listen, but figure out what you can do about it to help. And so we're in tech now. I don't know if you know this, but we're in tech now. We have a tech incubator with Grant and we're doing tech companies. And we're doing whatever we can to bring opportunity to people that don't normally have that opportunity because there is an issue with it. But I don't know what it is. Like I find myself in this, in this world now where I'm a minority, but I'm listening and, and thinking to myself, like, what can I do to make a difference? Because my mission is that all people, all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. And so- I don't know if you noticed that, like where, I don't know, just what are your comments on that? I guess
1: (laughs) No, I, I, a million percent agree. I absolutely respect you speaking about this candidly. I remember there was a time in clubhouse where it was just an uproar and you reached out to me just with unequivocation. You're just like, boom, Hey, this is a problem. What's going on? How are you feeling? And you checked on me and I'll never forget that because there were no color lines or even gender lines at that point. It was human to human, like, Hey, there's a problem. How do we fix it? What do we do to resolve it? Immediately, you reached out. And I appreciate that. What I'm starting to see when it comes to our rooms or opportunities. I think that people of color and Black people especially are starting to really try to take the reins back. You know? <laughs> and, you know, so we're like, if there's an opportunity, we flood it, right? We're coming in with a vengeance, right? Because we're making up for lost time. We're making up for what our ancestors couldn't do, forget didn't do what they couldn't do. So, we are coming in with a vengeance, and there's a DNA activation in all of us. Like you said, we're all unstoppable. It doesn't matter what our sexual orient is or what our skin tone is. What really matters is that on the inside, there's an unstoppable being inside of you. Depending on how far you want to go with that, that's up to you. But I feel like Clubhouse has been a way to express a lot of things that haven't been able to be expressed on other platforms. Why? Because I don't have to look at you. Listen to me, or else, right? And Black people don't want to know can you? You know, can you hear me? We want to know, do you feel me? Right. So yeah, yeah, black yeah, people yeah. don't care if you listening or not. We could be sitting in silence. Are you feeling my energy? And I just feel like Clubhouse brought on a different energy to where we're not having to look at what you're wearing. We could be dressed any kind of way and saying what we want to say, expressing ourselves without worrying about eyeballs on us at all times. That's also why you see a lot of battles in Clubhouse, because now I'm starting to express myself. You're not going to shut my mic right now, I'm actually talking, you're not going to shut down my mic. So there's a lot of things that I'm starting to notice to where I love how Grant Cardone since inception of this app, speaking of him, every room we've had of people of color, he runs in that room. Like it's like, it's just like you, him, John Legere, a couple of other people, they run in that room. They're ready to hear that information. Why? Because they're going to take it back and start to resolve. And they're going to start to do even more on what they're already doing. So I think that clubhouse has been a way to express ourselves freely without looking. And then we also have the ability to take it offline. And I think we start there and we take it offline. I just noticed that you do that very, very well. Here we are, right? But besides all of that, there's something internal about you that knows this issue is not new. I wasn't born yesterday. I was born at night, but not last night. And I'm feeling like not only can I make a difference, but with the right people, we all can really turn this thing around. So I think Clubhouse has been a great space for that. I just don't know about the toxicity that's there too, and how we get around that yet, but to do what we're doing right now and have open dialogue.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think before that, we're getting a lot of our messaging from uh, different cultures and different races and everything, even from different sexes, from the television, right? From the media. And they're telling us how to, and what their intention is to divide, right? And so that's where they're getting the message. And then people are formulating their beliefs and everything off of what that that message is instead of being able to talk to each other. And so that's one thing. And the other thing I thought about is think about all the opportunities and all the awesome tech ideas or business ideas or breakthroughs. Like you said, you're made of breakthroughs, right? Think about all the breakthroughs that are out there in the Black community that haven't had a chance to be out there because of the culture problems that we have. and now. That, like, if we give that open flow, that open enough a flow for them to have that access, like, just, and you know, the other thing is when people are just getting their information from the media or television and you're formulating these beliefs, you get this scarcity mindset like, oh, well, the black people are going to try to take something from us. If we let them do this, this, and this, they're going to try to take something from us and there's not enough for all of us. And then, no, are you kidding me? What if we all yeah. were together and the, the awesome things we could do together, right? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting? as you were talking, I was thinking about you guys do a lot of rooms to where you guys give people an opportunity to say or to teach or to express or to show like, hey, I have value and I have a monetary value behind that. I have this great idea. I have this great plan. I want to bring it to fruition. Right. So you've got you guys have blueprinted and just so many other opportunities through technology, which helps that color line. Right. It helps that division so much because technology does not care. right? Right. It doesn't care about all that stuff. It literally gets to the point and it starts to resolve issues. That's what it's there for, right? And so through this artificial intelligence, there's still a point of intelligence. And what you guys are doing now, giving people an opportunity to pitch right, to a real investor, to people with real money, and to make a difference for real that night, immediate, that changed the game for Black people. And I just believe that Black people... We haven't had those opportunities as much as we've needed them. And now we're taking them, but seeing people like yourself to come back and actually join forces with us um, in that regard is going going to change the world, right? And then also, also understanding that we didn't necessarily need anyone to help us. We needed to start to learn and help ourselves, just like I have to take responsibility for my divorce. Where did I go wrong? Where did I go right? And start to retract that as well. We can do this on our own, but how much greater would it be for us to do it with other people of other races? So
0: thank yeah, you. Yeah, and, and again, that's not for me to ever say to anybody like, hey, you got to step up and take hundred percent responsibility for you when it comes <laughs> to that, because that doesn't come off well. <laughs> I know that. No, so, it doesn't. But, and
1: that's sad, right? But I'll say it. I'm here. Hello. He doesn't have to. Yeah, We have to take hundred percent responsibility. And when we do, the reward on the other side is just so much greater. And also it helps you open up more to receive. And some black people have a difficult time because of trust issues receiving from other people. So everybody that comes to you is not scamming you, not conning you, not trying to take something from you, not trying to set you up for the okie doke. Sometimes these people are true blessings to come into your life, regardless of their skin color or their gender background. Moreover, it's that human unity that needs to be displayed on the face of this earth for all of us. So thank you for bringing that up.
0: Yeah, no, you don't have to thank me. I appreciate that, though. Um, my my thing is too is I try to put up so much content, like Instagram. You like just push it out there because the more I push out there, and I don't really think a lot of times before I talk, that's good (laughs) in a way because I'm not the most polished speaker, but it's coming from my heart. And the more Um, I push out there, then it it allows people to trust me. You know, that's
1: that's a word. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't really work on my speaking ability as far as being polished. I don't want to. It's no, it's, it's important. The
1: raw and uncut is mandatory right now. I think we're tired of polished, right? We're tired of suited and booted. We are tired of status quo. We are definitely tired of the oligarch and the old regimes and traditions and things like that. Now, traditions do work. However, we also have to upgrade them and revise them. So thank you for being normal, right? In this day yeah, yeah. and age, you're not normal, right? But to me, you are because right. you're actually showing us. You do not have to be suited and booted and dressed to the T and tooth to the arms. You can be free and say what you want to say with your heart and it still be real and reach more people and also be longer effective. Cause sometimes you'll put out content and people will bypass it, but your type of content, you come back, you listen to it again, you make sure that I missed something, you're taking notes. So yeah, keep on doing that content stuff. It works.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Dr. O. Now, let me ask you as we wrap up here what are you getting into now? Like, What's the vision for you for the future here? And and how can people engage with you?
1: Awesome. Thank you for asking. So options trading is my, um, man, if I had to say it, it's my giant, right? It's like, oh God. So I have really just honed in on trading options. However, with the trading of options, what I do with the profits is I get into real estate, I buy credit, I buy up land, I buy up, Tech opportunities, like you said, I buy pre IPO stocks. I mean, I take that money and I flip it into so many different categories. But knowing that I have this one source coming in, uh, just like an entrepreneur would have a job, I mean, sorry, a business, and then they have all these other things that they're doing, these other hustles. I have one hustle, (laughs) and that's trading. From the profits from that, I invest in hundreds of things, right? I'm very diverse in that. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm also teaching and training other people how not to lose, and if they do lose, how to recover. And I'm very serious about that because I do feel like that's a way for us to not only be better investors uh, by learning from our mistakes, but also creating those mastermind groups to do that. So that's what I'm doing and working on. How people can reach out to me, obviously, is Instagram. They can go into my DM, reach out to me. I respond to every DM. Even if someone from my team is doing it, I look at it because I want it to be a personal touch like C-Rock just stated. But other than that, that's it. I'm pretty much Googleable. You can Google me. Um, and reach out to me. My information is on my website as well, the board of And my phone number's there. I'm reachable. I'm accessible um, in that way. And I'm all about financial literacy and education. Title-wise, I'm a spiritual wealth advisor. And so my goal is to make sure that your spirit is connected before you even get into this wealth game, because you do not want to be in here. And you're not right with yourself. You're not right with your God if you serve God or whatever the case may be. You're not right with the money it's still going to be the same problem. So I make sure to help you through that process through spiritual wealth building. And in that, that's how you reach out to me. And that's what I do.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. O for coming on here. Thank you for your friendship. And if there's anything that I could ever do for you, you know, I'm only a DM, a phone call, anything, anything you need, just reach out for connections, anything you need. I'm here for you. Okay. I appreciate it. And I, and I trust that you do. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to the, what are you made of podcast today? Keep coming back. Go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Go watch these on YouTube if you like to watch them and continue to support us because we're, we're here to help you and I want you to be unstoppable. So until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikesirock.com, themikesirockwithnok.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential.